Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. My guests today are Douglas Pennell and Anthea Mumby, and we're going to talk about some of the unique ways they as a couple have navigated entrepreneurial coupleship. You know, they've been working together forever. And so they have learned some tips and tricks along the way that I know will help you if you are working with your spouse. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Okay, so today we're talking to Anthea and Douglas, and it's going to be a bit of a different roundtable slash webinar. We're going to conduct it almost like an interview. So, Douglas, how long have you and Anthea been working together, and how did it happen? I guess, to, first of all, define working together. Whatever. In the same company, in the same company. Understood, because I mean, because we've been together 35 years now, uh, 30 of them uh, married this month, next month. Um, and so obviously we've done a lot of different work, but the actual working in the corporation, I started in 97, uh, working in the insurance brokerage uh, with her. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're talking about, uh, what is that? That's 25 years. Yeah. Now, question for you before I switched over to Anthea. When you tell people you've worked with your spouse for 25 years, what is the most common reaction you hear? Some variant of, I could never do that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's awesome. Is that true for you too, Anthea? Oh, yes. Yes, I get the looks like, what? Are you crazy? How can you do that? Oh my goodness. So yeah, it, it happened again yesterday, actually on a call conversation that I had. So all the time, all the time. All... Ooh, that's awesome. <laughs> so you guys um, owned a property and casualty focused insurance business, but you also do group benefits and life insurance. Is that correct? Did I get that kind of correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And Anthea, you bought the business from your dad. Was Douglas working in the business when you bought it from your dad? Yes. So Douglas had joined, uh, I think it was what about four years prior to uh, the the sale of the business from uh, my parents to, to us, ultimately. So yeah, yeah. yeah. He had well, a few kind years. Of interesting. So it's a family business transition that happened. Yes. Um, Douglas, what was it like to join a business when you've got this on the go, knows what she's doing, all that female who is working with her dad. Like, how, what was that like? Uh, not any real problem because one of the things, and I know Antti will uh, talk about it more later when that is that we started off, whether by you know good fortune or good planning, that we started off with our own uh, focus within the business there's lots of crossover of course but i had my thing which is you was the life and health 
side of the business and she was more focused on the property and casualty side yeah. uh, sort of thing. So we had a lot of you know, the crossover, but I had my lane, she had her lane. And just like driving on the highway, as long as you stay in your lanes, there aren't any problems. Yeah. So um, did you find um, joining the business, were you scared? Like what was, what were some of the thoughts that as you joined that you said, I must understand how this will work before I can make this commitment. Did you have some of those thoughts? Um, first of all, I don't scare easy, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, I started off my uh, chunk of my adult life with a redhead or whatever, right? So if I'm not scared, I'm not gonna be scared. Uh, no, I mean, the reason that I joined in particular is I had my own business on this side, which was a business, business uh, a neat and an industry in transition. So I recognized early that it was going to shift and was, was considering some alternatives. And with knowing that Anthea's father was uh, kind of was getting on and was looking at going to be transitioned at some point, being able to come in and take uh, and start working on that particular side that was more his focus as well was just again was kind of the a logical progression. Keep it in the family. They'd had some challenges finding other parties that would uh, do it and do it the way they believed in business, which coincide with my way. I mean, one of the things that Dennis always said, and it was my philosophy as well, was, you know, look after the client and the, and the commissions will look after themselves. Mm. So as long as you're having that center for folk, and that, again, that was how I built my sales career. It's the only th career I've ever had was really was in sales and plus count some labor stuff when you're a teenager. Uh, so, you know, it's, it was, there was no, no fear and it was literally just, go in, do what I do, what I've always done, just with a new, uh, a new product. One of the things you did say, I think that's important, Douglas, is you talked about with, you didn't use the words, but I feel like there was an alignment of core values about what you believe was important in the company, what was important to how a company was run. And Thea, can you talk like, cause now that you've actually, you've exited that build business and sold it, um, but core values has remained a, one of those key pieces that has helped navigate, you know, your future and making sure that things ran smoothly so that you would make money. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the core, the number one core value, and we had several, but the, the one that I think would be most, um, you know, the asset of the business, if you will, or the guiding principle was around putting clients interests first. Mm -hmm. We always had that focus and we always had that drive to keep improving the client experience and to just keep showing up for them and, and, you know, supporting them being part of their community. So um, and I think, you know, to, to your question to Douglas, that's part of why, why the succession or the entry for him was um, so easy because, you know, that shared that shared value around client focus. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the title of this session is power sharing for profitability in your couple partnership. Do you think that sharing core values is integral to the success of a, a couple, an entrepreneurial couple? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to have that share those, you know, agree on those values up front and, and keep, you know, keep them, keep the awareness there and keep committing to them and make sure your team is aware of them, your clients, like, yeah, it's, it's foundational. 
for success. Yeah, number one. Yeah. Um, to the, get the, anywhere, you have to both, both be heading the same direction, right? Mm -hmm. You can't go and say, well, okay, I'm, I'll meet you at five o'clock and then just drive off. You have to go, no, no, I'll meet you at five o'clock at blank. Yeah. You may take some slightly different routes there, but at the end of the day, everything is focused on getting to that blank. So in this case, it was, you know, looking after, you know, customers, the clients uh, first, and then from that, everything else would flow. And that was you know, relationship, that was product, that was uh, mm -hmm. services, all of those things ultimately were focused on that one destination. Where did you guys butt heads? Because I mean, 25 years, there's not a chance this was smooth sailing 100% of the time. Or, or if it is, if it was, I'm going to like go get you a prize of some sort. But there have, there, I think that naturally happens, right? So where did that happen for you guys, Douglas? So, um, maybe I can make the typical joke or whatever. We don't, there's no butting heads, whatever, you know, just do whatever your wife says. Uh. Happy wife, happy life, Douglas. That's what I hear. <laughs> Uh, I think more often that was uh, kind of the uh, parts of the you know, directional, if you will, from a, you know, a growth perspective, or we should do this, or, you know, when it came, as is even in marriages themselves, is, you know, money related things. Mm. Do we, you know, I think we should do this. And, you know, Anthony had a different, would have a different view on, you know, on spending that money. And it, and it wasn't necessarily that I was spending it and she didn't want to. There were, you know, occasions where, you know, things wanted that were very much what she wanted to do, uh, for, spend the money on. And then we, you know, we would have to debate those and make decisions. And, but ultimately, you know, had to, had to do what we figured was best for the organization as a whole. And did you find yourself revisiting core values? Like if that's our number one strategy for, you know, power sharing for profitability, do you find yourself going back to those when you had these disagreements about money, Anthea? Yes, we would come back to, so if it was something like, uh, for example, investing in a fancy new technology, you know, uh, software, yep. right? And then one of us wanted to be uh, in that case that was more me that was saying let's make the investment let's do it I, you know and then Douglas would be more around well what's this really going to do for the clients like the right. client yeah. right how is it going to actually make their uh experience better you mm -hmm. know and, and he would probably say the same thing to this day you know looking at at some of you know the solutions in in that industry is, you know, is it really going to solve for some of the, um, the challenges that clients experience? Uh, and yeah, so that would be kind of where we would say, okay, come back to the core values around, you know, client experience. And, uh, you know, we also had a core value around like, have fun and get it done. Right. So we're going to have fun doing this, but we're also going to be acting, you know, quickly as a smaller organization. So, you know, does a new technology solution allow us to fulfill on that uh, core value? Um, probably in that case, no. I mean, I would say if that, well, that would be one major decision we made over the years that I would look back and say, no, that was not the best decision for that business. Certainly not at that point in time. 
So Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Our second strategy we identified was really knowing yourselves, right? And I, I think that, you know, half of this game of business is an inside game. It's around our heads and what we like to do and things of that nature. I think it gets compounded when we're working with our spouses, you know? So I know that some of the assessments my husband and I have taken have been instrumental in helping us understand how to communicate and what, what lanes to Douglas Point we may want to play in. Douglas, what was your favorite assessment tool you did and why? Uh, the favorite assessment tool, I don't remember the names on all of them. Uh, a lot of times, the one of the best experiences that we had relative to a tool is Anthony and I went to a business couple uh, retreat thing. And it was you, they did an exercise based on the Colby uh, model. And they picked people that were strong, had four, a group of four people that had strengths where their top strength is one of each of the four categories. And then had them do an exercise together. And then you watched how they interacted with one another because the quick start was just starting to do stuff with not even understanding what the project was yet. You know, the analytical or the, the fact finder was sitting there, you know, trying to understand what all the stuff in front of them was. The uh, for the for the tactile one, I forget what that. Uh, uh, the last number, yeah. The, the last uh, number, whatever. The, so the, you know, the, the engineering type of minded person or whatever was actually trying to figure out how they went together and was dri been being driven nuts by the person who was just starting to move stuff, <laughs> you know. And so on. So seeing that and understanding how, you know, Anthony and I's Colby's Quint happened to be f fairly similar. So again, it created its own problems, but we came to understand better. But we both are high in this quick start. So we would both start running off, going back to that when we're heading to what, where are you going on the trip? We both start running off. So, oh, by the way, where are we going? <laughs> you know, um, and that so understanding a little bit. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we have that, and that's why we sometimes, for example, the technology example, Anthony maybe would rush into because it looked like you know it was a shiny new bobble that looked like it would do some fun things and without necessarily doing all that research that we could have had. And if one of us had been maybe more balanced in one of those other that's areas, fine, yeah. I, I, my husband and I also did the Myers-Briggs and we're both ENTJs, which is the extrovert, like it's an extrovert. The title in the book is called um, Field Marshal, right? So we both see the end destination hmm. and we both see every step of how to get there. The problem for us is, is that we both see the same destination, but our steps are completely different. So that is where some of our conflict arises, but we have to work our way through that. And Theo, the Colby we just talked about, is there another tool that you've used that you've liked from an assessment perspective? Yeah, so there's a couple. Um, the Another one that uh, Douglas and I did just for ourselves was called the wealth dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I don't recall all the categories in that one, but what I do recall is that Douglas and I are both stars, meaning we like to... Uh, we like to be on stage. We like to be presenting and we also like to shine a light on 
the people around us mm-hmm. and sort of put them in the spotlight and, you know, say, Hey, look at, you know, it could be a team member, like w- look at what a great job they're doing, or it could be even a client. Um, so we also discovered through doing that assessment uh, that we as stars, both being stars, we needed to have our own stages. Mm. And I recall a particular um, event where, you know, we had client base uh, that were, you know, they were different professional associations um, and they would have their annual conferences. We were always very involved in their conferences as, you know, uh, sponsors. And there was one year there was a speaking opportunity and there were two associations that were having their same, the conferences basically in the same, the same date, right? And so it was crossover. And so what ended up happening was Douglas was on stage presenting with one association in, I think he was in Ottawa that year. And I was off in Winnipeg uh, for another association presenting on, you know, there were different topics around insurance, or I think it was succession planning, in Douglas's case, and I was talking. So but we point is, we each had our own stage. And this is where the divide and conquer sort of played out. He was giving his speak, uh, his presentation, you know, growing relationship on that side. And I was doing the same for a different group of clientele, which ultimately elevated the business because of the relationships and the expertise and, you know, yeah. yeah. Are you looking to boost your business value beyond just increasing profit? Introducing the Business Value Amplifier, a revolutionary 10-week program designed to help you uncover proven methods to enhance your company's worth. Discover how to transition from feeling unsure about maximizing your business value to becoming a savvy operator who deliberately and methodically pulls the levers of value building. With the Business Value Amplifier, you can expect to take control of your business's growth and be intentional about enhancing its value. Whether you're planning to sell or simply want a more vibrant, predictable, and lucrative operation, this program is for you. Don't miss out on this opportunity to amplify your business's value in just 10 weeks. Go to blackstarwealth.com amplify and apply for the business value amplifier today. That's blackstarwealth.com amplify. Your business will thank you. I know we did a session in this before, Anthea, and we talked about uh, role definition and really that comes back to Douglas's point about having a lane. All right. And it's so easy on the technical side, meaning what is your subject matter expertise to potentially carve out those lanes for yourselves. But when we think about, I, I think about the e-myth sometimes and their talk about the three different roles we wear, like the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur. And when we think of the entrepreneur, like that big vision, that big level thinking, were there lanes that you shared? And then how did you do that? Right. Did someone do more marketing and sales Was someone like, did you break, did you break up the big roles of HR, uh, accounting, um, you know, those types of things uh, as well? Like, how did you break up some of those running of the company versus doing the work? Yeah, the operational side of yeah. things. So, yeah, so Douglas always more, fought very technically inclined. I, I, yep. he's, we're both, we both enjoy 
um, sales and you know client development and and client experience. But if we break that down further into sort of the sub operational subsets, Douglas is like the tech you know guru. He gets it. He's good at it. He can walk by a computer that's acting up, and all of a sudden it plays nicely and it does what you want it to do. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> And I, I know exactly what happened to you, Anthea, because you tried everything. Like you did 10 different of the right things. It didn't do a thing. And Douglas went over and looked at it and it went, oh, I'll work now. Yeah. Yeah. Fairy dust. He's got like yeah. a fairy dust that kind of floats around with him as he approaches the computer. Technology. <laughs> and the, the, literally, that's that was the thing within our team. They would like, I don't understand. You just walked over. You didn't even touch it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> It must be your electromagnetic aura of some sort. Yeah. I, <laughs> so. I think so. But yeah, did you share any lanes like business direction? I mean, obviously that ties back yeah. to your vision and goals, but any of those lanes you shared for driving the business as a whole forward? Definitely the visionary part of it, like the overall, like we're both strong uh, in strategic planning and thinking. So we really were good at sort of bringing that whole piece together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then sort of, you know, figuring out what each of our parts would be within that. Yeah. I would say that actually, if anything, was you staying in, supporting the end of other in their lane probably mm -hmm. as much as more than anything else. So Antia was a predominant force for the marketing. No, it's everything that you've anyone's ever saw that came out of Mumbi was, you know, Antia was was the brainchild or the creator on it. I would support by she would send something to me and then I would reword it maybe from a little more client centric. Yeah. Uh, uh, as and in some cases, or, uh, you know, we say I'm thinking about doing something about this. And then we would, you know, kind of bandy the concept around a little bit. And then from that would come up with that idea. And then she would take it and run with it and make it happen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, well, the technical side of things, the softwares and things like that, you know, she came, the one, for example, was a, uh, a call recording technology. We were on a trip. She saw an article in a magazine about this technology. It happened to be here where we lived. Uh, so we you know, reached out to them, got some information. So she started that ball running, but that went into you know, the tech side, more Douglas's you know, area of expertise. So I would, did the analytics on, is this going to work? How do we connect it in? Working with the, the service provider to get it all up and running and so on and so forth. Uh, but then we, in the interim, would also talk about the cost. Was that worthwhile? And that was back to, you know, the, the finance. So that was where we would just keep back and forth against allowing it the person who had the strength. You know, Anthea wouldn't, uh, would never, never would have said to you, no, 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 you're doing the tech wrong. Because she knows she doesn't know the tech the way I know the tech. And I would never say, you know, no, I think we're doing our marketing wrong because I know that she did all the studying and all the work to build up our, our marketing stuff. I would complement her capabilities and she would complement my capabilities. And that's the basis of the word synergy, right? You mm. take two and you get more than what the, I can lift 100 pounds. She can lift 100 pounds. Between the two of us, we can lift three. You know, so right there's yeah. that capability that that sin that, that's what synergy brings to things. 
I, I love that, Anthea. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I think I think you got that. Like that whole, yeah, the synergy and like your brain. It's, I've got some of these memories floating back through my brain now as as you're talking, Douglas. And yeah, we really, I think for the most part, did a, a really good job with leveraging our our skills and um, balancing between like the marketing and the biz dev. Um, oh, and the other thing that Douglas also brought to the table really well was like the in-person, like I would do the marketing in terms of like getting things out the door, whether it was digital or hard copy, mm -hmm. but Douglas was the one who would show up at the events mm -hmm. and he's like the energizer bunny who can keep going until three. He can be on that trade show floor at seven in the morning and he can be out there till three o'clock the next day and do it for five days in a row. Oh my goodness. No problem. No problem. Yeah. No, he could, you know, he could, he could pull and I would be like, no, I would be doing all the strategic pieces ahead of time. And then I would be getting the team. The team would go in to support him as the main, mm -hmm. again, the star, right. But the team needed to go as well. So I would be the one doing low risk practice with them, scripting them, getting them ready so that they felt comfortable that they weren't going to show up to this event in Toronto and have you know, hundreds or thousands of clients come and say hi, and they would be like, oh, you know, what do I say? What do I do? What's my like sort of my pitch or my how do I approach yeah. that kind of thing? So yeah, that that really worked well in terms of that, you know, the synergistic piece. That I love how you guys have done that. Um, I've never asked you guys this question, but I want to know the answer about meeting rhythms. Did you have a meeting rhythm with just the two of you and, or did you, and, or what was your meeting rhythm with your st staff? How, how was your meeting rhythms? Yeah. So every morning we had our morning huddle. So that was our, who was at that one? Who was at that Anthea? Everybody, all team. Okay. All hands yeah. off deck, just a mm -hmm. five minute check in. Uh, it was kind of like, okay, you know, tell us a win from yesterday, right? Start with some positivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, could be about yourself, could be about a coworker, whomever. Um, and then, you know, what's on tap for today? So that would be like, is there something we need to deal with? There is a client issue we need to brainstorm around. Is there somebody off sick? That type of thing. So those were every single day uh, yeah. we did those. Um, and then we had um, a monthly uh, all team meeting as well. That was really around going back to our vision as a company. What were yeah. we doing? What were we accomplishing? Um, you know, getting their feedback and ideas about, you know, because Douglas and I being quick starts, always ideas, ideas, ideas. So, you know, chatting with the team instead of driving them crazy every single day with the latest 500 ideas we had come up with and we're talk, probably talking about in the shower at six o'clock that morning. Yep. <laughs> um, we would try, you know, collect those ideas and then, you know, bring them into a team discussion and then talk about, you know, what, what were some possibilities or some obstacles around those ideas before implementing them and getting them to put up their hand and say, I will be the champion of that, right? So it was less less on the two of our shoulders. And then I think, was it Monday? Uh, was Monday always the two of us that, you know, we would try and meet, maybe it was every two Mondays that Douglas and I would have our owners meeting together and just, you know, go through yeah, I want the agenda on that one, Anthea. Tell me what you went through. I'm going to say, Nothing. this cut in for a second there. So 
we had, there was regular meetings where we would talk about the high level things. I found something about a software or whatever, maybe, or moving forward on it. But I mean, Anthea did touch on it quickly there. I mean, we did, and it was kind of a joke. And it's also one, it's one of the big struggles related to going back to the beginning of this, the working together part yep. is where is the separation of church and state? Mm -hmm. Where does home and work kind of get divided? And it blurs very easily. So, and as Anthea said a minute ago, you know, She's doing the makeup. I'm getting ready in the morning and our we're in our first business meeting of the day, right? Six o'clock, yeah. we're in the same room. We're looking forward to the day and an idea comes up or, oh, I have to do that. Have you done this yet? And yes. the dialogue would begin. Right? That's so funny. Great segue because that was my next question. But was, uh, was it work-life balance or was it work-life integration? Ooh. I would say more. You go ahead. You take. Um, there's no the reality. I would say is probably it was more work than than life balance or integration. Period. Because the difficulties. And again, you're trying to make something into something. Yeah. And it's exciting. Uh, you know, a lot of times as well. So, you know, it's so there's always saying. You know, if if you really enjoy what you're doing, work isn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of thing. So if we're enjoying what we're doing, or whatever, then there, there would be that morning. Okay. Yeah. So today they're coming to install that system. Right? Oh, yeah. And so that would be a tech, you know, sort of thing. And he says, okay, so I'm got, I've got this new uh, e-blaster doing, we're doing a split test on it. So she would start to talk about it. And that would start right out of the more uh, out of the gate first thing in the morning and go there. And then it wouldn't necessarily blur, you know, go, you know, wouldn't it would blur through into dinner a lot of times as well so we there were so home life was the personal time was more the after everything else had run out but we were many often we were enjoying it so it didn't feel as as bad as my people might think about it when you think about you know a lot of people with jobs they don't they go in they come home they kind of it was a discreet stop right yeah, yeah. right yeah. Whereas it wasn't, wasn't necessarily there. So, there were, I mean, it, it, it was a pro and con. There were good things about it and there were bad things about it. But overall, again, we made it uh, through 25 years to get, working together that way in the 35 slash 30 that we've been together as a whole. And without uh, waking, neither one of us has woken up yet wondering why the other person is holding a pillow. You know, so... <laughs> Happy to hear that, Douglas. Happy to hear about that. Um, was there a point in the business where you where you were able to have more of a personal life? Like, was there a was there a, a cycle or a you know a growth curve, and then you're like you could you could not be as focused on the business all the time? Anthea? Yeah, I think over time we really we learned like we needed to, you know, set some boundaries in place and not have like that constant like, you know, the 6 a.m. and the which was funny because this morning was the first time that Douglas and I did that whole like we haven't done that for years where it was like, OK, we're both getting ready at the same time we were talking about ideas and stuff. And I was like, done this for quite a few years this is interesting um but we, you know we learned that we needed to kind of structure things a little differently yeah. 
you know, I think we always did well on like the integration piece. Like, for you know, if we think of like our, you know, our daughter, for example, like if there was something going on where, you know, she had something she was doing or she needed us or whatever, like we, we made it work. Right. And, um, and honestly, like in her younger years, like Douglas was more the one that would, you know, swoop off and take care of, you know, whatever needed to be taken care of on that side of things. But, you know, as time went on and we, we got to a certain point with the business at a certain level, um, we were, were, you know, we were felt, okay, the trajectory is good. The results are good. Now we don't need to have our feet on the gas pedal that much. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's have more balance. And, you know, we decided we wanted more time off, right? We wanted yeah. to have more quality, you know, uh, vacation time and free time. Um, and then, you know, we started to put those structures in place to allow us to do that and even say things like to each other, like, you know, we would we would be in the hot tub and start. And it was, again, usually me that was the guilty one that would say, oh, well, what, you know, blah, 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 business, business. And Douglas would gently, re- re, you know, remind me, hey, we're in the hot tub now. It's Sunday morning. We're not having a business talk like, you know, boundary. Right. Yeah. Um, and the opposite would be true in the sense of like when we would go on vacation as a family and I would be like, no, we're off. We're completely off. You know, we're not working. We're not checking emails. That's it. Hard stop. And I and I wouldn't. But he would check on his terms. He did it his way. But he would be checking like for emails or handling things that he needed to handle. And I just learned to go, OK. Like, cool. It's it's like he's not sucked into it where it's like he's he's coming to the, you know, the the dinner table in Italy and talking to me about, you know, a client or something like he would just, you know, be emailing his assistant or whatever he needed to do. He would take care of it. But it didn't like infiltrate into our personal couple time together. And it probably Douglas did that the ability to do that and just check in and kind of if there was you know keep the fire slow did that increase your peace of mind and engagement the rest of the time on your vacations i think just like anything the the known is much easier to deal with than the unknown because the the sits in the back of your head and does you know is there something going on is something going on yeah, and I think also, Frank, you know, related to what Anthony said, giving her that peace of mind too is yes, I was the one that typically did it, checked it, but there are times when she was checking because she was looking for something, but it was pretended to be more me that would do it. And then if she needed to be, and that gave her the peace uh, to be able to disconnect better in those same in the same way. Yeah. So. Right? so between knowing that things were okay, you know, the, her, her old saying, you know, fire, flood, or blood. So if there wasn't any of those, don't reach out to her uh, <laughs> when we were on holidays, whereas, you know, they would, you know, could maybe just call, text, email me or whatever about, about sparks. It wouldn't yes. necessarily be fire, but that way I could put out, you know, put the sparks out before they became fire yeah. uh, and so on. So it gave us all that little bit of extra peace. Um be able to enjoy those times the way you said yes you can then just go okay now I'm good for the rest of the day and I don't worry about it so we can just go yeah in my business I do risk tolerance questionnaires uh usually around market investments type of deal but I think it's important uh 
to understand the risk profiles of each of us in our business, especially in entrepreneurial couples. Do you guys share a similar risk profile? And how have you navigated any differences? So, I mean, I would say yes. And if we go back to the quick start, it kind of correlates into risk profile. And Are you a higher points. fact find, Douglas, than Anthea? I'm uh, one higher on the fact find. I mean, okay. yeah, I'm a six and oh, I think you're a four, aren't you on fact find? Yeah. I can always, I'm analytical, but yes. I don't need, but fact find in the Colby model isn't about your ability or whatnot to deal with data and it's actually how much data you need to be able to move forward yeah you need no data to move forward okay yeah. going back to the the idea we're heading we're going somewhere together i'm okay to just jump in the car and then start driving so so where are we going to go yeah uh, um, no anthony wants to at least have an idea that we're heading east Okay. <laughs> um, before we go there but we'll still jump in the car and just kind of start heading east and then figure out where we're going and obviously that's pure analogy it's we don't typically although we have done we used to do what we call a country drive so just get up sunday morning and get in the car and just go somewhere and see what's new um so but the analytical i is a strength that I have. And I think I said to you before, I mean, there's other tests and I'm a little unusual in that I'm an amiable analytical. So I can literally spend all day playing with numbers um, uh, or spend the entire day at a conference talking to hundreds of people. Yeah. You know, it's it just, they both work that way. Um, so the needing, I forget exactly the, for, the it, was, it was about the difference in your risk tolerances. Like so Risk tolerance wise, I, she, we would kind of both start and then I would maybe be, because of the analytical side, I would, I would do the analytics of whether it was worthwhile doing. So the phone recording system, what's going to be the benefit of that? We know what those are. What's it going to cost us in terms of dollars, effort, et cetera? Is that worth what we're going to gain on it? So we would, but, but that's a, there's an example of a risk. Do we spend thousands of dollars on that sort of thing? And sometimes we made good ones, sometimes we didn't, but I think we're both from a business perspective, we're relatively high risk takers because, you know, you just keep, you throw enough things in the air. Some of them are going to land on fertile ground. So, yeah. Hey, growth-oriented business owners, are you ready to take your business to new heights and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs? I would like to introduce you to the Elite Growth Community, your ticket to a world of learning, sharing, strategizing, and problem-solving. Our monthly live events will bring together successful business owners just like you, who are making over six figures and have been in the game for at least two years. And the best part? Your first event is absolutely free. So try it out and see if it's the right fit for you. And after that, for just $17 a month, you'll unlock unlimited access to our exclusive community where you can accelerate your business growth like never before. No commitments, month to month. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to join the Elite Growth Community at blackstarwealth.com backslash elite. Sign up today and watch your business soar to a new heights. That's blackstarwealth.com backslash E-L-I-T-E. Hope to see you soon. Anthea, do you have areas you think that your risk tolerance, other than the direction you're driving, um, uh, where you guys are different from a risk tolerance perspective? 
No, I think we're for the most part, we're pretty aligned on risk tolerance. I think it's, uh, yeah, just uh, sometimes, you know, you, you go, well, I don't know, the judgment, I guess, of like, okay, that wasn't the best decision, but it doesn't, I don't think it really has, like Douglas said, I don't think it's impeded our our risk, you know, our willingness to experiment and try and, you know, keep, yeah, keep trying new things and seeing what happens. Mm. I do love that about you guys. And I love, like, I know I have a great risk tolerance questionnaire that helps couples understand their individual profiles and then where they overlap. So the fact that you guys have had these discussions and explored it is so important, I think, to ongoing communication with entrepreneurial couples. So I think that's a, a key thing. I have a strange question for you guys now. So I have this new hypothesis around, I believe your business is an asset to be grown, nurtured, and you know at some point potentially harvested. You guys have been through this. Is there a point where your was your business ever your baby? And if so, is there a point where it transitioned from being your baby to being an asset that you were going to monetize? What was, what happened there? If at all. Ooh, definitely baby for me for a long time. I mean, I grew up in that, right. Mm -hmm. I since I was, you know, 13. So it really did feel like a baby for a long time. And Sometimes, you know, it's still, it still is kind of like, you know, all that I actually came up on a conversation I had earlier today. And then we were talking about this whole thing of, you know, having a business that's a baby. So, um, but ultimately, did it become more of like thinking of it as an asset? Yes, absolutely. Uh, probably, uh, you know, in the last, I guess, probably 10, 12 years before we sold it. Um that was, I guess, after it kind of went from, okay, we bought it from my parents, you know, when I was in, what would I have been early 30s, maybe 34, 35. And then, and which was also when I was also a new mom to, you know, our daughter. And so it was still kind of like, okay, I've got my, the business baby and my, my daughter baby. And that kind of was the case, I think, for a few years. And then it just, kind of you know I just I can't and I can't remember what it was that made it like us to start think different think differently maybe it was Douglas kind of looking at it more from kind of not uh, like a different perspective bringing his perspective in to say like okay this is this is an asset like how are we going to um grow it as as an asset and start thinking differently and approaching things differently when did, did that switch? Did you have the same affinity, Douglas, going in where you where you joined the baby already growing? <laughs> I mean, you didn't birth the baby. You 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 know you came in and became the stepfather to the baby, yeah. if you will. So I think I mean to go back to Anthony, so I mean, to add to her babying aspect of it in the early as well. She also had the legacy burden, if you will, of it too. Yeah. you know, of it, this is not only is it my baby, but it was my dad's sort of thing. So that was a piece that she, I know she had to deal with uh, mm. as well. I mean, I came in, when I came into it, it didn't come into it as the baby. Yeah. So probably more that stepdad analogy might work well there. Uh, because yes, it was a going concern. I just joined the team. 
we didn't own it yet or anything else. It was, you know, her father's business. She hadn't started to buy it yet or anything else. So I just came in because, but we knew it was a transition into the future. I think, I mean, there are, I think for a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs though, that it is this balance of baby asset because you get invested, you put so much of yourself into things to try to get it going. You sacrifice in the early years and those sorts of things. Uh, You know, you put so much into building the relationships with the clients and whatnot that, you know, you, when someone else within the team does something that maybe damages that relationship of service failure or whatever, it's hard not to take that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot for a lot of people, there's a lot of, um, it, it is your baby period, but recognizing at the same time that it is this asset, the reason you're putting all that effort into it is the growth of that asset. And, you know, I think most people probably struggle with that line where it works back and forth and that church and state analogy, you know, from earlier that, you know, the, the work life balancing, there are times when it's over the line this way and there's times when it's over the line that way, but ultimately it has to become an asset at some point because what else are you going to do with it? You know, how are you going to fund your retirement life after work or even, you know, whether you're even just slowing down your work and becoming executive chairman, so to speak, you know, it still requires a business that can be valuable. I mean, and just some, one of the sayings I've learned through very, uh, I think maybe even Tony that said, you know, you've never seen a a U-Haul following a hearse. Right. Right. So all of your stuff in a business Mm -hmm. is a form of of stuff, you know, is something that at some point has to move on to something different whether you wind that business down or you sell it because of the value that's in it if it's something that can can continue without you there is a point where it has to go away you can't do it you know uh, forever period one way or another so it has to transition so be accepting that like a child growing up like no mm-hmm. one, you know, you, it's funny, you, when they're, they're new, they're, oh, they're awesome. They're here. They're everything about it. And then you go through a phase where it'll be good when they grow up and, and I don't have to do these things anymore. And then they get to the, I'm ready to go out the door phase. And it's like, but no, don't do that. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, right. So I think it's very similar in many respects there too, but you, you have to, cause you have to set them free. You have to set the business free. Oh, we could go on forever about that part, but I think I want to get back to, we, 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 today, we talked a lot about power sharing for profitability in your couple relationship. And we dug deep on core values. We dug deep on knowing yourself and we dug deep on staying in your lane and how to be a key contributor that way. As we wrap up, what is, if you had one key thing that you would like to say, you, you've got an audience of entrepreneurial couples in front of you. What is one key wisdom that you'd love to share with them, Douglas? Probably the one key wisdom that would suggest with any couple period is, you know, talk, you know, uh, (laughs) uh, know, or, you know, the Stephen Covey, you know, uh, listen to understand, not to respond Mm. sort of thing to be able to, you know, have these conversations staying in the lanes only works when you both know 
I say going back to that, that you're going the, going to the same place yeah. uh, or where the other person is going before they come back to the, to the same place. Um, you know, the, the power sharing, you know, all of those things only ultimately work as long as there is dialogue between, you know, to, between the parties. Excellent. And Fia? I would say that, you know, it, it can be done. You can improve your relationship. You can grow a profitable business together. You know, when people look at you and say, how can you do that? And, you know, you're crazy that you're doing this. And, oh, my goodness, like, la, 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 don't, don't believe it. Um, and know that, you know, it, it, it's doable. It's all how you approach it, how you structure things, you know, your, your roles, the boundaries, your communication, everything you talked about today. So, mm. yeah, I, I would hope to inspire others and, and know that this is possible. So the real bottom line here today is all about communication. And whether you're working with an entrepreneurial couple, as part of an entrepreneurial couple or with anyone, open dialogue, shared values, it's going to be the game changer. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.